Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Extraordinary Expletive. You got your boy J-Dubs on the mic over here? Kenny G's on the side of the table, and we are just going to pick up where we left off because it is Metal Month. Power to the masses, baby. <laughs> the month where we talk about all things metal. So, we left off last week, we were talking about Black Sabbath and um, the, just the origins of metal, because I think Black Sabbath would be the one that probably the most influential yeah, really, and, and the genre. really put it on the map. Yeah, really put the genre out there. Uh, Deep Purple to Motorhead, those kind of bands. But then we got into the 80s, and that's where metal took the fuck off. Yeah. Because a band named Metallica dropped an album called Kill 'Em All, and it was the start of Thrash, and it was the start of the Big Four. And they set the world on fire. Um, we, we we didn't we didn't really discuss uh like the whole hair metal scene, but I feel like that. That definitely came after. We said but, it last week. Just watch the dirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, um, I mean, we could touch on that too. But yeah, uh, going from Metallica, uh, once they they dropped that album, they uh, they really changed the game, in my opinion. Um, they yeah. brought about a world of guitar playing that most people had not really heard that style before. And uh, as you said many times, uh, either in conversation and even on the podcast, they were, uh. Too heavy for the punk kids, and they were too punk for the heavy kids. And but but Kill 'Em All is like their most punk album, though. Yeah, yeah, and you can really hear the uh, the influences of punk in that. And, that um, dropped in '83, and that same year, Slayer dropped their debut album, Show No Mercy. Oh yeah, I didn't know they were the same year. That's yeah, a, they that's were both in '83, and then I don't remember when Hello Waits came out by Slayer, and then but Slayer got on the map with Rain and Blood. That was their. Yeah, and that song still today is amazing. I mean, most people know them by that, you know, uh, "Raining Blood." The song everybody everybody knows that, right? Whether you listen to Slayer like you know heavy or not, I'm sure you may or may have not have heard it on the radio. You know, it's uh, it's gotten a lot of play through the years. They were kind of one of the first bands though that like they got big, even though they didn't get a lot of radio airtime. Yeah, uh, and like we discussed before, you know, that's uh one of the cool things about like metal bands is if you were into metal, you knew where to go and find it. And Slayer took the fuck off without all that radio play, you know, but, um, going, uh, going back here to Metallica. Um, I just want to go ahead and shout these guys out. Um, this is a couple beers we bought for the podcast just because we are going to be talking about thrash and the big four today. And I was at the store, and I found a Metallica beer. Uh, this is Enter Night. It's a uh, Pilsner. And uh, I'm not even certain who made it. Stone. Oh, yeah, it is. It yeah, is the arrogant. Yeah, Stone Brewer, um, Enter Night. So if you guys are beer fans, you guys should check this out. But uh, solid black here, just like the Black Album, you know. But, um, yeah, we just wanted to get a little festive and show some love. So, yeah, if you guys can't see that very well there it is maybe we'll get a zoom in on that and see what happens but uh <laughs> yeah uh, jamie zoom in on that shit oh, yo thanks james appreciate you man but yeah going back to metallica like we just said 83 when they dropped kill them all it was uh it was fast it was loud and it was heavy it's something metal had never done before because metal was never fast at that point listen to old sabbath uh motorhead motorhead was fast i will say yeah, that motorhead was quick for sure but, but 
I mean, it was just the way Lemmy sang and the the way that fucking bass just rattled, you know? Like, almost all their albums had, like, one tempo, kind of. But, yeah, uh, Slayer, or, excuse me, Metallica really put it on the map with, like, the fast guitar playing. Everything was fast. And it was the thing with a lot of these bands from, like, the big four. Like, yeah, they came out and, like, yeah, they were big, but they didn't, their their masterpieces weren't their first album. And in a lot of cases, it wasn't even their second album. It was their third album. Because Metallica, um, Master Puppets was their third album. And that's widely considered one of the greatest metal albums of all time. Uh, same with uh, Megadeth. They had um, Killing is My Business, dot, 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 and Business is Good. Peace Sells, dot, 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 but who's buying? And then they had Rust in Peace was their third album. Slayer, I already said they had Show No Mercy, Hell Awaits, and then it was... Rain and Blood, which, yeah. and then Anthrax to me, and Anthrax is like the one that I, I don't know a lot about. I've never really listened to a lot of Anthrax. What I have heard from Anthrax, I like. They do have that, they're more traditional to the thrash style. Yeah. They, they did that more, but Persistence of Time from 1990, which is the same year that um, uh, Peace Cells came out, or not Peace Cells, but Rust and Peace came out. Like, those, those are both super good albums, but everyone thinks of the 80s as like this time where it was like, yeah, those metal bands were on top. And they weren't really on top until the early 90s or the late 80s. Yeah, and there's so many bands that had came out like, you know, after that, after their first initial <clears throat> drop that kind of influenced a lot of other bands. Um, one thing we didn't mention, if anybody does not know what the big four is, they say the, uh, the big four thrash metal bands, the big four metal bands in history were Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth, and they were the forerunners of the start of the metal genre and that metal push. So uh, talking about these guys um, is a lot about the history kind of right after the whole scene that happened with uh, Black Sabbath and you know a little bit of that Deep Purple stuff. You've really seen metal solidify itself. Like Deep Purple, they had some heavy songs, but they were more still riding that 60s wave, in my opinion. You right. know what I mean? They had a lot of um, like psychedelic influence in their music style playing. But Metallica, they, they, they didn't at all. Um, they took it to a different level, and they just they blew it out of the water. Um, they, they sung like super quick, and Hetfield's just voice, you know what I mean? Especially back then. Nowadays, it's way different, but... You know, uh, going off like a couple albums like Trapped Under Ice and, you know, the, the vocals that he like enunciated, you know, it it was different. It was a it was a whole new style of singing. It was, I mean, it was even sweet. Ride the Lightning with Ride the Lightning and Trapped Under Ice. But then you also have Fight Fire with Fire was another one. And it was just no one else was really doing that at the time. Yeah. And, and then, uh, I mean, Megadeth came out about because of Metallica, you know. Because they kicked Dave Mustaine out, and Dave <laughs> yeah. Mustaine only sung for Megadeth because like I can't find a lead singer I like. Fuck it, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it live. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it, fuck it. We'll do it live. Yeah, but that's uh, I don't know. That's that. That's a sick driving force. You know, we talked about that uh, last week when um, you know, he finally got his Grammy and they played Metallica music as he walked to the stage. You know, but like he didn't give a fuck. Like he still did it. Yeah. Um, Megadeth was sweet. You know, uh, they were, they were like. I don't know the yin and yang of you know Metallica and Megadeth. They as as different as they were, they were super similar, mm -hmm. you know. Um but uh yeah, I I feel like they 
they held that heavy punk influence. At least Metallica, you know, from Metallica. From Metallica did really definitely on, on Kill 'Em All. Um, they, I mean, they lost by 1990. They lost it when they were like, "We have the Black Album now." Yeah. Do you guys want to hear Unforgiven Part One? <laughs> yeah. We have a Part Two coming out. Nobody knew about it until <laughs> 2000 something. Uh, but it was it was cool to see, man. Like, there's still so many songs, whether. You listen to Kill 'Em All or, you know, And Justice for All, any of those albums that came out before, you know, everybody knows Enter Sandman. And right. that was it, in my opinion, their their main radio play. You know, they kinda got I'm not I don't even want to say poppy, I wanna say like mainstream. You know, they realized kind of where the listeners were and built their genre around that. You know, right? And everybody still to this day, dude, play some old shit. You know, nobody likes Saint Anger, and <laughs> it, it's sad. You know, I I enjoyed a couple songs off there, but it just wasn't. It's the really same. weird because when Saint Anger came out, everyone was like, "This is a great album." Yeah. And then as time went on, they're like, "This is fuck." What the fuck does he mean? His lifestyle determines his death style. Yeah. What is he talking about? Why are they playing at a fucking prison? Why is he playing on a goddamn trash can lid? How about that? Yeah. The snare is <laughs> wound as tight as you can fucking yeah. get. Oh boy. But. There's there's a meme about that. It's like life is good, and then it's like a picture of a guy like dying, and it said when you finally hear the snare on uh, Saint Hanger. <laughs> they kind of they kind of have gone back with their last two albums. Yeah. Um, with Death Magnetic, and that was the last one that came out. Um, I don't remember. It just came out like two years ago. I forget the name of it, but I started to listen to the first three songs, and um, they they kind of got back to their roots. But I think the thing with Metallica though was. You saw that um, Cliff Burton died in, in the bus accident. Yeah. And, and that them, was after their second album? That dropped? was after Master of Puppets. Oh, okay. So three albums that already they dropped. They did three albums, and Cliff Burton was just a phenomenal bass player. Yeah. And then they, then they got Jason Newstead, and he was a phenomenal bass player. But whenever they did um, Injustice for All, that was Jason Newstead's first album, Lars Ulrich was like, hey, turn the bass down. That's why the bass is so quiet on that, because Lars Ulrich didn't like him because he wasn't Cliff Burton. Yeah. Because Lars Ulrich is kind of a dick. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but at the same time, if you have that sort of feel, uh, you're always going to hold some sort of resentment. You know, right? They're never going to be Cliff, no matter how how hard they try. Especially forming together as a band and becoming like a little family. You I know? mean, James Hetfield and Cliff Burton were like best friends. Yeah, and that's fucked. Like they actually, they all cut their hair. Uh, when he died, uh, that was like their tribute thing. You know, yeah. they had the fucking long, flowy, down to your ass hair like every metal band should. And Cliff died, and they're like, "Dude, let's, I don't know, do something different, I guess." But he, um, and then he left. He left before Saint Anger, because they did the they did the 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 standalone song. It was it's the only Metallica standalone song that's never been on a Metallica album. Um. I disappear. Okay, that's the only standalone Metallic song. It I was didn't know it that. was made for the Mission Impossible Two soundtrack. Oh, nice. That was that was the only reason they made that song, and then uh, Robert Trujillo from Suicide Tendencies became their bass player. But I think that's what makes Metallica so good for so long. Whereas a lot of these other bands like Megadeth has kind of you know been beaten around and Anthrax's Metallica's had three out of the same four people for their entire career. Yeah, they've held it together, uh, held it together, and down. Dave solid. Mustaine's the only original member of Megadeth, and yeah. Scott Ian is well. Anthrax is they've been they've had different members coming out. Like right now, they're probably as close as they've ever been to their original lineup since their original lineup. But they've they've been I shouldn't even say the original lineup, but they're 
one of their older lineups. But a lot of times, uh, these bands are just falling in and out with members. Even Slayer, you know, they David Lombardo has been out of the ba- in and out of the band. Um, it's basically just Kerry King and um, the fuck is his last name? Lead singer. I, I forget. Tom. <laughs> Jamie, look that up. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, look. It's, it's uh, Tom. Ar- Ar- it begins with an A. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like an idiot and say yeah, something. Yeah, it's been that's a long not. day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that you know, uh, they they're a solid piece. Uh, whether we're talking right. about well, Slayer, I mean, whether we're talking about uh, Metallica, you know, they held it down. They know the style that they want to write in. They know the style they want to play in. Metallica is that kind of band that they're like, hey, uh, we're gonna go on tour like once every uh, ten years, and we're gonna like sell like you know. A twenty thousand seat arena, thirty thousand seat arena, where it's like, hey, we're gonna have a metal fest. We want to have Slayer headline. Yeah, it's gonna be in front of like four thousand people. It'll be fun. Yeah, Metallica is just uh, Megadeth that, come... that pedestal rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always up there. I mean, they even had like the Metallica movie. Um, Which one? Well, the one where Dave Mustaine cries. <laughs> uh, no, the most recent one, not like the interview one. It was just their. Uh, it was a whole live concert that they played at a like like a football stadium, twenty thousand people arena, and um, they had like a little story with this kid trying to get to the show to deliver the band something. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I actually have seen that. I it was uh, it's called. Uh, I wasn't gonna bring it up because it was a gasoline or something like that. I forget uh, the name I don't of remember. it. But um, this is a band, dude, that has dropped so many albums, countless. Not I mean, in two thousand, yeah, not really. Over 13, that's a lot. <clears throat> studio albums? Yeah. No, not studio. Bullshit. Studio, they have I hate that, that you say that. That's so dumb. They still release music. They still had albums. There's over 13 of I'm them. I'm talking like original studio. I'm not talking about compilation albums. I'm not lot. talking about compilation albums either. You got like Load, Reload, The Black Album, Kill Em All, uh, Injustice For All. You got uh, St. Anger, Death Magnetic, uh, the one that just came out. Um, what else am I missing here? So I remember having like 13 of them that my stepdad had just up in his little CD collection. I mean, Load, Reload are both like compilation albums. It's like, hey, we, we're like... What do they compilate on? Well, it's just like outcuts from like the studio. You, they, they, do, they go to studio Hero session. Hero of the Day was a really big song. Hero of the Day? Yeah. Um, I that mean, was on, that was like on Garage, Garage Inc. was just a cover album. That's all yeah, it was. But it was still still music. Yeah, but I'm not counting that. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't because, count it as original stuff, but it's still. Well, I'm talking. Awesome. Well, no, I'm talking like original studio album. That's what All I right, mean. All right, so cut out Garage Inc. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. See how many are there. It's a lot, man. It's a lot of music. Whether I mean you want to agree with me or not, they still put out a shit ton of music over the years, and evolved as a band into like many different like sounds. You know, it was uh started out with this thrash kind of punky stuff and they got a little softer and still had that heavy vibe in the background and then kind of experimented and went on like reload i can agree with you is kind of different because it was just like almost the same as load but not but there's still a bunch there okay kill them all ride the lightning master puppets and justice for all um the black album load reload Sane Anger, Death Magnetic, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Okay, 10. That's still I, a lot. I still wouldn't count Garage Inc., though. 
Yeah, I mean, you didn't you didn't say it in the list. Oh, I did there. not say that. You're no. right. I just feel, uh, I don't know, as a person who likes to play guitar, that's a lot of influence that you can take. And, uh, you know, that's spanning from, what, 83 mm-hmm. till now? Because Hardwired to Self-Destruct came, came out. out in 2017. That's, they're a band that's been around for almost 40 years, <laughs> and they're still fucking swinging hard, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, they listened to a lot of what their fans had said, and especially with the newer album, the first song's like seven minutes long. I was like, damn. And a long song like, doesn't make a good song, though. I agree with you, but they went back into these sick-ass fucking guitar-playing solos, you know? Right. There was like three three solos in the main track of that uh, album. Like, I was like, dude, yeah, you know? And that's what always inspired me as a kid. Listen to Metallica. It wasn't just this normal, like, 4-4 four, four pattern, like, okay, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, bridge. It was like... It all kind of meshed together, then you got your chorus, and then they just fucking shredded the shit out of guitar, you know what I mean? And as as a young person trying to learn to play guitar, I was always, you know, astounded, whether it be Headfield or not, you know, like, just guitar skill like that, I don't know, You, it's, it's kind of phased out in certain aspects, I guess I could say, because there's a lot I want to talk on the uh, next episode here about skill, but... um it was it was badass. Like you don't hear those kind of solos on the black album or reload or anything like right. that. You know? Those were they came out there like, hey guys, we can fucking play guitar. Check this out. Like you're just like in the crowd, like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, oh it was it was an amazing feeling as a child at least. That's what really got me into metal. I was like, dude, that sounds fucking awesome. But um, I don't know. I don't know if that's your opinion or not. I mean, Metallica definitely was like the gateway drug, but 83 was also the same year that um, Pantera came out with their first album, which a lot of people a lot of people think that like 1990, Pantera came out with Cowboys from Hell, and that was like their first album. No, their first album came out in 83, and they released four more, and that was when they were Pantera's Metal Magic, and they were a hair metal band. Okay, Phil yeah, Ansama, we talked about this. Phil Ansama was not in the band yet. So like everything you have where you're like, yeah, Pantera's like hardcore, like, you know, in-your-face metal, not for their first seven years of existence, they weren't. And that's that's hard to fucking think about, because Dimebag was so young. Yeah, no, Dimebag was like 17 when, yeah, when they started. That's what I was going to say. He had to be like 16, 17 when they started, because I've watched videos of them playing live, and he was like 19, 20 years old, and I was like, damn, dude. Yeah, no, killing it. He, he was like 17 when Pantera started. Him, okay. and, him and Vinnie Paul, um, different lead singer at the time, I don't know the guy's R.I.P. Name. Yeah, Rudy Paul and Dimebag, that's both of a, them. Yeah, it's a sad story there. Uh, I mean, it's how do you feel about Pantera not being in the Big Four? They came a little bit too late to be that main influence. Uh, well, here's the thing: it's, I've always listened to Pantera over Anthrax, though. You know, it's one of the things where it's like you're talking about the bands that like had their biggest success in the the early the mid to late '80s. So you're talking like right before Megadeth made their best album, right before the. I mean, again, Iron Maiden and Iron Maiden, Jews Priest aren't in the Big Four because yeah. they're, because they're British. That's why. <laughs> yeah, and they're almost like a different style of music too. Right, they're not exactly that that thrashy. Iron Maiden's metal we're a huge about. hitter though. Yeah, Iron Maiden's one of those bands like Metallica. If you're like, yeah, Iron Maiden's playing tonight. Like it's just like Metallica. It's like, oh yeah, they're like in a twenty five thousand seat arena because yeah. The only time I got huge. to see them, but it was at Ozfest. You know what I mean? They right. headlined. They came out right before Sabbath, and 
every motherfucker in that arena was there, you know? Everybody went. <laughs> it's like, holy fuck, you don't go sit out and go take a piss while Iron Man's playing. Yeah, I mean, Pantera, Pantera does have a... Uh, they have more appeal than... Than the Anthrax, and they're more popular than the Anthrax. They had I mean, that more. They were in an episode that, of SpongeBob SquarePants, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, they had that more bad boy fucking that attitude. I guess you know. They had that. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, their album name said it perfectly. You know, vulgar display of power, like cowboys from hell. Yeah, but even then, like vulgar display of power, it's literally like a man getting punched in the face. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Just the cover of it. And that's what, like, whenever you describe Pantera, how does Pantera sound? All right, let me show you this picture of their album. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, that gives that visual. Uh, Anthrax was more thrashy. Uh, they were they were super punk. Um, but again, ninety ninety one was that year you had Anthrax with the Persistence of Time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was I'm, Megadeth with Rust and Peace and forget Cowboys the song we Hell. just listened to. Uh, but that was so much more refined, and mm-hmm. it it had that metal sound to it. Like if you listen to Anthrax's first album. You had a lot of that kind of drum beats, you know, and you could see the punk roots there. They really, really drew out of that. And I don't know. Um, they weren't what I expected, I guess. Like, I'm going to be honest. I, I never really listened to Anthrax. I know a couple of them. Anthrax and all the bands, too. They were, like, huge in the early 90s. And then yeah. people kind of forgot about them. Yeah, they, they had a really big I mean, they, following. They were, in, they were in an episode of Married with Children. For really? God's, yeah. They, it was uh, Kelly and... Um, Ke- Kelly had like people. She had Anthrax. What was the name of the son? Bud. Kelly and Bud had like people over, and it was Anthrax that came over, and they were just like fucking chilling in the house, and they were playing uh in in my world, like okay. the song they were playing, and That's they were weird. just like fucking chilling on the couch and like headbanging. It looked like the uh, music video for Meshuggah's new Millennium Cyanide Christ, where they're just kind of like faking like they're playing the instruments, just headbanging <laughs> on the in the tour bus and stuff. Yeah, and even toward the end of the '80s, you had. Um, kind of like the um, the Swedish bands come out like yeah, Meshuggah was one of them. Uh, Cradle of Filth. Cradle of Filth. Well, they weren't Swedish. They were well, uh, they were British. Okay, the Norwegian bands. Yeah, the Norwegian metal. Uh, you got people like the <clears throat> New Borgir. Uh, uh Celtic uh, Celtic Frost was another one. Yeah, but they kind of dabble with like the death or not death metal, but like the satanic stuff because even like the their um their one album, it's a picture of a horned thing we'll just i'm gonna assume he's the devil we're not saying it's the devil but he's pulling back on a like a slingshot but it's jesus christ like in the crucifix like his arms are <laughs> his arms are literally like the, the strings and it's just him like in the back oh, and he's like pulling it good. back like shooting it at you and that <clears throat> album that album was really fucking good what year was that I want to say it was like 87, 88. Okay. Well, let's uh let, let's finish up with the uh the big four before we move on. Well, yeah, see, we're starting to get cuz yeah. I didn't even touch Sepulator yet. No, so. and they're not even in the big four. No, know? they're Brazilian. They're, yeah. <laughs> if the British guys can't in, what the fuck makes you think like a South American band's going to get in? Yeah, yeah, but Sepultura was that they were that bridge between death metal and thrash. Yeah. They were they were roots metal, dude. But hold on. All right, all right. Go back to uh Back to Slayer because that's uh that's what we haven't touched on. We haven't touched on Slayer or Megadeth yet, and they are still in the, the big four. We haven't really talked about Slayer. We mentioned them last episode and now, but hell, we just gave Metallica a good fifteen minutes of our life. You um, know? <laughs> well, with Slayer though, like if you listen to um, Hell Awaits, which is their second album, 
and show no mercy it's it's more like that fast like punk like you know like real real quick beats and stuff and then rain and blood they really changed it they were still playing fast as shit actually they were probably playing faster but it was more like it wasn't as punk influenced it was more like carrie kane is going to play the sloppiest fucking solo you've ever heard in your life yeah it's going to be fast and it's going to be in your face and then really uh by the 90s with like 94 and they're like okay seasons in the abyss they're like we're going to slow down but we're going to be just as like menacing with our sound they're always heavy in my opinion when you picture slayer that's that's the ideal picture of like satanic metal you know what i mean I, I mean, I, look at, like, your shirt, for, for God's sakes, you know? There's fucking dead people on it and goats and shit. Like, <laughs> they were... I don't know if that became they a were, thing. They weren't, like, a satanic band so Not much at as all, they no. just had themes of... Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people wrote off of that, though. They were like, you know, like, okay, you got Ozzy coming out, and then what did we talk about earlier? Deicide. 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 And you got bands like that who are really pushing the uh, the dark side of things. And, you know, they took some, some things off. They're like the Slayer logo with the the swords you yeah know, it makes the pentagram i mean slayer wasn't so much a satanic band but they had satanic themes they yeah. had themes of hell and and i feel like being in the big four people took that and rode with it you know and we, that's it was such so controversial at the time though like people were like wow this band they're a bunch of devil worshipers i'm like probably not yeah <laughs> no they're just talking about blood raining from I think, the sky i think tom i actually fucking goes to church like every sunday yeah and he's like the lead singer of slayer now that I remembered his last name, what but is I it? couldn't remember Tom Aya. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I don't. I mean, they were, they were a big influence of mine. Um, they were some of the first stuff I learned to play on guitar, uh, like "Raining Blood." I think that's what. I think that's what really drew me to Slayer, though. Was like, was the controversy? Was the like, hey, this is something like your parents aren't gonna like. I'm like. I want Fuck that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See that parental advisory sticker? Let me get that. They were they were sweet though. They their sound was amazing. Like I, I feel you on like some of the sloppy guitars, but like it um, you know, Mike had said last time or last week, you know, Carrie said that he wanted them to sound like like screams, you know? And you listen to him, like even think about like the main solo for Raining Blood. Like, or even just, even when it goes into like Angel of Death. Yeah. It's Tom Maya screaming, and then it goes in. The, or no, it's the guitar, and then he. It's like his scream and his the guitar like bleed together. Yeah, and it makes makes an amazing sound. It's uh, like that's another band that you know they really <clears throat> emphasized their skill on the guitars. You know, they weren't just I don't know up there to play like hair metal would be. You know, mm-hmm. um, like 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 Jimmy Page. You know, he was amazing. Uh, fucking. Eddie Van Halen, you know, he was good, but I don't know. They were more about the babes and the bitches than they were about the music, you know? Yeah. And that's my issue with that kind of crowd. They were good bands, don't get me wrong, but music-wise, were they really there for that as much as they were that rock star ride? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, but Slayer is... They they also lost a member, uh, James Heineman, that died. Uh, yeah, he had what, the flesh eating bacteria six years ago. It was some. Yeah, I was still I was still in college. I was still going to Kmart because one of the well, I, I wasn't still going to Kmart. I worked at a Kmart. <laughs> but, <laughs> Who goes to Kmart? Well, they actually have really good shit sometimes. Yeah, because no one goes there. So like you're like yeah, every place is sold out. Yeah, Kmart. Like yeah, every every store in Pennsylvania is sold out of the goddamn Crown Royal fucking. 
Salted caramel. Yeah, Kmart has like, you know, 12 cases of it because no one ever goes to Kmart. Just a bunch of Kmart employees in the back end drunk off. The, the one the one lady there, she was a real big Slayer fan. And then like we talked about, because I, I remember whenever he died because we were talking about that day. Yeah, that was a that was a big hit. And much like Metallica, you know, Heinemann died way, way, way later than Cliff had, you know. And Hyman died. Well, yeah, I mean, he I'm, died like almost fucking 30 years later. Yeah. Nearly. So how do you think that impacted the band, you know? By that time, it's, it didn't because, like, again, they had just rotating members. It was it's basically yeah. like Tom I and Carrie King, and that's like the other guys coming in and out. Well, I mean, Heinemann had always been, you know, uh, a, a strong forerunner in that band. Yeah, but yeah, but they even whenever he got really sick, they just they continued on their tour. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would uh, it would fuck me up. I'd be like emotionally unstable for a little while. Like, you haven't seen Slayer coming out with any new music, so. Like, World Pain and Blood came out. Hmm. The the album World Pain and Blood. I don't know. That that came out like the same around the same time he died. Mm. It probably came out right before because I think they've had one since then, which <clears throat> to me was really good because like like I talked about like Slayer, they they were really fast paced and everything, and then they kind of slowed down with Seasons in the Abyss, and then they had like God Hates Us All and Diablo and Musica and stuff like that where. Some of their stuff was hit and miss. And then they had uh, Christ Illusion, which it wasn't really that good. That came out in 2006. I bought that album because I was so excited for it. I was like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to get it. Or- that was like, you got to think, it's 2006, and I ordered that album on eBay. Yeah. That's how excited I was for it. And then I got it, and like 14-year-old me like, this is good. And then like me now, I'm like, it's not that great. Kind of grew out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but then World Painted Blood, like it kind of like went back to like some of their older stuff. It was kind of a calling back to that, and like, like the song World Painted Blood, like the cell, it's it's pretty good. Like doll I haven't parts. listened to it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's it kind of it kind of throws back to old Slayer. And when I say old Slayer, I mean like pre ninety three. Okay. They were they were awesome. Like, I don't know when I went to go, I'd seen them at Rock on the Range, and uh. Tom's neck was like fucked. Uh, I think he, I mean, when he walked out on stage, man, you could basically they ended their show, man, and he like walked out and like an old man, you know, <clears throat> hurting and just told everybody thank you. Uh, the last song they played was "Angel of Death," and uh, I don't know if I had said this on the podcast before or not, but it's still an amazing thing. I think I did say it on the uh, the concerts episode, but. They dropped a banner in the background right before they went to play it, and it was a Heineken bottle label, but it said James Heineman, Angel of Death, like mm. on the top and the bottom. And like James Heineman went around where Heineken would be, obviously. But, you know, I got fucking goosebumps thinking about it, dude. It was sick. I was like, damn, you know, so they, they still pay tribute, like, and let the world know, like, hey, man, we lost a brother. And they'd ended playing, and then Tom had came back out and just basically thanked the crowd, and he said, hey, look, you know, we don't know how much longer we're going to be doing this shit. Um, I forget the guy's name uh, who's filling in for Heineman now, but he also plays in another metal band. And that day, uh, his band had played on side stage, and then he played fucking Slayer main stage afterwards, you know? And, you know, it's a, it's a lot of dedication. Right. Especially side projects like that and shit. But you got a band like Slayer, like, okay, they're writing some new music, but 
if you get a rotating member who does come in, what do you do? Just, oh, dude, I've listened to your music forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'll play it all right now. Here you go. If you're a Ben Sevenfold, you kick out Mike Portnoy. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Dream, uh, the- Dream Theater was another one in the eight that yes. kind of started that 80s. And- one more. One more. We got to. We got to hit Megadeth. We got to hit Megadeth before um, we go on. Well, no, I also I just want to give another shout out to is like another one of like the the forerunners that were like really influential was uh, King Diamond. I feel like his his he's one of the most underrated ones. Yeah, because a lot of people don't talk about King Diamond. Because um, okay, Merciful Fate's an underrated one, but a lot of people have at least heard of Merciful Fate. I've heard of King Diamond. I'm gonna be honest, I never really listened to him at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but he. Maybe we'll have to he, check some songs out he, afterwards. He's one too that like a lot of the the, the metal band, the, a lot of the metal bands like Metallica. Will be like, yeah, we really like a lot of King Diamond shit. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's one sweet. Of things, yeah, but King Diamond, he just he was one of the headliners on Mayhem Festival in 2015. But he's like 64 years old, and he's like still going out there like in all the makeup and like wearing the hat and hitting all the highs and shit. It's crazy. Fuck. <clears throat> I unfortunately did not get to see him that year. We had to leave early for reasons, but for reasons, my friend got too drunk and we had. To I leave. feel it. So was that was that gear? Yeah, it was gear. <laughs> but but I I really want because I'm just like I was like I want to see he, King Diamond. Is to he going to be okay? Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I would just want to say I said could see King Diamond. Instead, I got stuck with fucking, um, what was the the band with Vinnie Paul and uh, Hell Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I got to watch Hell Yeah for like a little bit, and I'm like, I don't really care for Hell Yeah. Nothing personal against Hell Yeah. Yeah. I like Mudvayne. We'll talk about them later. And I like Pantera. We're going to talk about them later on the show. But um, just not really for me. Yeah. But Megadeth. Megadeth. So, you know, this is a band that, I don't know, I'm kind of touchy on because I don't know a lot. I know like, you know, Symphony of Destruction, it shit like that and but oh excuse me yeah but between you and mike like i've never listened to that many albums like honest to god i probably only listened to, like three, i went through this phase songs in, i went through this phase in college and this is whenever i got like super into like knowing everything about music and wanting to know more about music and hearing more albums where <clears throat> i would play gears of war 3 and i would listen to a different metal album every night i looked up a list i'm like what are some great metal albums like what are the greatest metal albums of all time and then you'd see stuff that was like um, Alive or Just Breathing by Killswitch Engage. I'm like, I'm listening to that. And I'm like, that was fucking awesome. But then you always get to like the top like four or five. And then it's like, well, let's say you get to like the top ten. And that's where like I found out like I was trying to show you Barrenness, yeah. the band. That's where I found about them. That's where I found out about, that's where I really got into Machine Head. Because people are like, the Blackening is one of the best metal albums ever. I'm like, it came out like six that's, years that's, ago. That's a phrase you hear often, though. Yeah, but I was the like. The best metal of all time. It, well, it's one of those things where it's like, this is one of the best metal albums ever. I'm like, you know what? That came out six years ago. And I listened to it. I'm like, that's really fucking good. Yeah. And then, but then I got to the point where it was like, okay, like number, it was a lot of list. It was like, you know, one, two, and three. One, two, and three. It was always like Rust in Peace and Master of Puppets or like somewhere in that one, two, three. 
And then albums came in and out. And then I actually listened to Rust in Peace, and it's fucking phenomenal. I think there's like fucking 15 guitar solos in Hangar 18 or something. Fuck. Because it's just back and forth solos. Yeah. I'm going to do a solo. Okay, now you do a solo. No, I'm going to do a solo. Now you do a solo. So like almost like dueling guitars, <clears throat> kind of. Yes, but they're doing like dueling solos. Dave Mustaine and, uh, God, what was the name of the other guitarist? Mikael Ross is going to listen to this and fucking hate me. Yeah. But it's one of those things. And even prior to that, prior to me listening to Rust in Peace, I used to work out at the high school all the time. Used to work out. I used to work out. I'm fat now. <laughs> but I would work out for football and in the weight room. Well, there was a CD player in there, and we were senior. It was my senior year, so I'm like, okay, all these CDs, it's nobody else's. It's whoever. It was like Corey Kettler's and shit. Like, they just had left, like, burned CDs in there. And I saw somebody left Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction, and I was like, Megadeth sounds hardcore. And I went home, and I ripped it on my computer, and I listened to that album on repeat forever. And there's a lot of really good songs in there. The, um... Uh, like, what the fuck is it called? Sweating Bullets? That's the song where he's like, hello, it's m- hello me, it's me again, you know, my black tooth grin, stuff like that. And Hey God, it's me, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Dimebag Daryl actually, his favorite drink was called a black tooth grin. He named it after the Megadeth phrase in Sweating Bullets where it says black tooth grin. All it was was, a shitload of Crown Royal with enough Coca-Cola to turn it black. <laughs> That's all it was. Oh, dime bad. He was like, all right, I'm going to just pour this fucking Crown and... Well, speaking right. of drinks, uh, I want to go ahead and shout this one out to you. Uh, this is also another band collaboration beer. Uh, not certain how well you guys can see it. I apologize. It's back over here. Here, let me let, let me get up just for the camera here so you can see. Brown Thank you for the theme music there. We wear some goddamn real pants on the podcast. Is Dude, look, pants? man, it's fucking Sunday, all right? You you said it right. It was a long day. We were up drinking until God knows how long, and I wanted to be comfy, so I put on my PJs. Okay. Fuck you, Ken. Fair enough. Um, But this is uh, uh, Unibrew. I don't know exactly how to say it. Uh, this is a French brewery company. And um, they did a collaboration with Megadeth. They've done multiple Megadeth beers. I didn't know that. I always grab their uh, variety pack. They've got some heavy hitters in that fucking 12-pack, man. Like 8.3, 8. 8.7, 9.2. This one's only 6.1. This, one yeah. this one's what? like 6.5, something, like something like that? I forget. But still, I don't know. In my opinion, that, <laughs> that wasn't a bad Pilsner. And I'm not a huge Pilsner fan. Be honest Honest, I, I, I fucking hate Pilsners. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, really I'm gonna, I'm I gonna, could drink that. I'm just going to be honest. The only really good band beer I've ever had was the Flaming Lips with um, Dragons and Yum Yums. That Def Leppard one I had earlier was not bad. Really? Yeah. The dra- See, it's weird, though, because I don't really like sours. I don't really like IPAs, but Dragon Yum Yums, they check every box I don't like, but I love that beer. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's sour and it's you know it's hoppy. I'm like, Ew. it's a sour hoppy beer. Ew. And then I drink it. I'm like, wow, that's actually really fucking Ew. good. Ew. Uh, good. But uh, this is a a Sayason. and uh, I don't know. Shout out to Todd Darling because he said uh, he'd like to try it. It's a Sayason 13 
pale amber color, red orange hues. Brewed with thirteen carefully selected ingredients, so that's that's why we got that there. Okay, that sounds like fucking Colonel Sanders when he's like, "It's eleven yeah. herbs and spices." I don't know. Eleven secret herbs. And you spices. got fucking onion powder there somewhere? Like, ooh, that's decent. Uh, Megadeth, not very, not very heavy. The thing with Megadeth too is Megadeth. <laughs> well, we're continuing on with Megadeth. Um, they. They kind of hit like a rough patch in like the mid '90s, where or the mid '90s, early 2000s, where they were, where they were really like not putting out good stuff. But then, more recently, like their last like three albums have been just amazing. Yeah, and you also got to think too. Um, I I would say that their last three albums are better than Metallica's last three albums. So Dave Mustaine's finally like finally after all these years, I'm you finally passing me, you up, motherfuckers. You let me back in the band. <laughs> hey, I just made three albums that beat your guys's. You think I could play guitar for I mean, you again? I mean, not in the charts, but critically for sure. Like, mm. Mm. I don't know. I just think that's funny as fuck. But I was gonna say, you gotta, you gotta think. Um, maybe it's just personally speaking, it's Lars's fucking. I don't know. Like, you know how the whole Napster thing happened. Lars Ulrich was like one of the biggest prudes about that, which I understand now. At the time, I didn't. But all of that money that they were making from people purchasing albums is now gone. You know, um, there was a thing that had happened. I forget what uh, what artist it was, but he was talking in front of a judge, and he said, you know, for um, I think it was 50,000 uh, plays on my song, I got... 500 and some dollars, you know, and that's bullshit, <laughs> you know, that sucks because you got to making, making an LP is not cheap, you know, talk to Bubby about that. That's why they just keep doing EPs because the money issues, yeah, real big deal, man. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into music and I get, you know, the whole pirating and ripping shit off, but how fucking cool is it to download a whole album? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but, um, I mean, you had, uh, sorry to cut you off. The point I was trying to make, um, Megadeth kind of got themselves out there uh, with, um, not Rock Band, uh, Guitar Hero. Their uh, Symphony of Destruction was one of the playable songs. Hangar 18 was. Was it? Hangar 18 was one. Well, Symphony of Destruction was on the first one. <coughs> that I one didn't know was... that Hangar 18 was. Hangar... But... No, Hangar 18 was on Guitar Hero 2. Yeah. Sure. Well, then Symphony of Destruction was on the first one, like I'd said. It might have been. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. I remember playing it. That was the first time I heard that song. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. But you didn't see any Metallica on there, and they were fucking known gods. You know what I mean? Why were they Metallica not there? Didn't come around to a Guitar Hero three. Yeah, they and then they, they had like, a whole Guitar Hero. Yeah, there was a Guitar Hero Metallica. Yeah, touche. But I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to hop on that train at first. You know? And well, no Dave's band's like really, fuck it, dude. No bands really did because if you if you play the first Guitar Hero, it's it's like, hey, here's this song. You know, as made famous by, and it's basically just a cover. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right because the, yeah, I remember the Lamb of God version was not Lamb of God playing it. Yeah, it wasn't until later they were like, okay, so now we got the real bands. It wasn't uh, yeah because uh, Laid to Rest was on the f- first one, but it was it was as made famous by Lamb of God. I wonder how much money they ended up paying out for that shit. I don't know. 
You know, one maybe maybe they took that hit as a risk. You know what I mean? Like, hey guys, look, we got this idea. No band was with it, and then they did it, and it was fucking huge. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you yeah, you can use my songs, man. I, I there's one other band I do want to mention whenever we talk about '80s metal, because they're fucking huge. But I don't feel like a lot of people talk about them when they talk about '80s metal, because they're they're really not like the rest, and that would be uh, like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I agree. They're not necessarily a metal band. I would see them as like a hard rock band, but they were kind of the first one that you could you could kind of be if if someone was like Guns N' Roses is a metal band, I'd be like, I don't agree with you, but I don't disagree with you. Let's say, here's a road, okay? Here's right, disturbed. Right here's they're a not road, a metal band. okay? And there's a big cliff to get off. That just falls down to nothing. You know what I mean? And over here is the land of metal. And you need to get there, but you don't know how. Well, then you look down over here, and you see this little bridge. And it's it's just Axl Rose standing there waving like fucking Forrest Gump. Like, hey, guys, we built this bridge to Metal Land. Come check us out. Yeah. You know, they, they were really, I, I agree with you there. They were a definite stepping stone to get to that heavier shit. Um, even with their vocals, they were, they were cool. And that was one thing I wanted to touch on with the big four. You didn't notice that that metal growl yet you know it kind of happened and uh i don't know slayer was a little heavy headfield's vocals were yeah yeah <laughs> but uh like my lifestyle determines my death style my lifestyle determined my death style and then you got fucking tom i will never stop ripping on metallica for that by the way that was you can't <laughs> please don't you know you got shit like right blah from a lacerated sky. Have you ever seen a music video for that Metallica song? No. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Why the fuck are you guys playing in a prison? No, that was St. Anger. Oh, yeah, you're right. The other... The, what was that one? That was... Uh, I can't remember the name of the song. A Frantic? A Frantic, yeah. yeah. They're like... There's like a, a fucking chicken truck and some shit. It's just like... And there's like playing in the middle of the street and like, we're so hardcore. Yeah. It was at a time where Metallica was like, okay, we're just going to play our instruments... And we're just going to be somewhere else. Like, Frantic, <laughs> we're going to be in the middle of the street. Uh, we're going to be in a prison. And then, remember that song we did for the Mission Impossible soundtrack? We're just going to be on the middle of a fucking, you know, cliff somewhere in the fucking desert. You ever been to the desert, bra man? Because we're about to fucking play there. Inside jokes are funny. But, okay, so we touched on the big four. Just so everybody knows. Guns and Roses. Um, we are trying to keep this in an orderly fashion here. Um... You know, but when you talk out a band or talk about a band like that, you have to actually understand where they are now. You know, um, so we're trying to go back now, and we're gonna jump back to like you know eighty five ish, eighty seven, and see where these bands led into the nineties. So you had these big four bands that came out that were fucking huge heavy hitters and gave influence to some of the heavier bands that we see nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. whether. You know, they listen to them or not, you can definitely tell, hey, man, that's very similar. Um, now, one band, I think you'd agree with me here. Um, what is it? Uh, I forget the year, 87, maybe 93, but Mashuga. Mashuga came out in 87. 87, yeah, okay. Right. I knew it was one or the other. But uh, you want to talk about a band that, they... gets, that gets ripped off and gets <laughs> that started a fucking revolution they basically invented uh gent 
Yes. Gen- and that was the thing that a lot of people were like, Periphery did this. I'm like, Meshuggah no. did this 20 years before Periphery even came out. Yeah, like, dude. I don't even think Mia or Misha was born yet, you know? Jesus Christ. But I don't know how old he is. Uh, but they were and still are fantastically fucking heavy. Um, they were so different in comparison to anything that had came out. And knowing that they came out so early is what blows my mind. I I, I do honestly feel like they were way ahead of their time. Yeah. And they well, didn't get they, felt, they didn't get huge. They felt way ahead of their time in 97. Yeah. And they'd already been out for 10 years. Like when you hear like New Millennium, well, I already mentioned New Millennium Cyanide Christ, but like when you hear that song in like 97, you're like what the fuck is this? It was it I mean they haven't even been like universally acclaimed until when they came out with the uh, Odes and that was like what 2003 something like that. It was later than that. Really? I want to say it was like 2013. Oh. Jeez, yeah, I'm way So off. I'm just saying that was only like a few that wasn't even 10 years ago. Then that's whenever people were like this band's fucking great. I'm like they have been. They've yeah. just always been pushed aside, you know. Cuz nobody <sighs> It was too fucking heavy, and this it's, is a band, in my personal opinion. It's you ask so heavy and it's so sludgy. Where the fuck did it come from? Okay, because you have this thrash speed metal explosion going on at the beginning of the '80s, and they're like, "What if we just like down tuned every guitar to drop F <laughs> and fucking played slow and fast at the same time?" It's like. I don't know. Gent was created by uh, <laughs> Meshuggah back in 87 when they tried to do a solo twice at the same time. You know, something like that. <laughs> it was fucking crazy, man. Go and listen to, I mean, anything by them. And it's heavy as fuck. And this is where you started to see these metal vocals come in where it was a constant growling, almost scream, you know, Um what I wanted to he, touch he on never beforehand, really screamed, he just growled. Yeah, the it wasn't it wasn't that metal. Yeah, he just. I don't know even how to explain it. Yeah, it's like a metal growl. I'm like, you are know? you singing or are you you're like growling at me? Are you coughing? Yeah. Are you okay? Do you need Do you need a lozenge? Like, are we Are we good? Like, what? <laughs> do you have like an upper respiratory infection? Like, are you good? Yeah, and maybe that's what threw a lot of people off about it because in '87, I mean, you had fucking hair metal bands fucking kiss metallica and shit like that going on and then you have Meshuggah's metal magic yeah i mean i i agree too um pantera had a lot of those metal vocals too um i believe we we talked about it right beforehand the first we haven't we haven't quite touched on we're, we're not to pantera quite yet yeah yeah i think like the first recorded uh from what i read was the band death and they were the first ones that had that actual metal scream, like those shrills. I always forget. And... See, that's the thing, too, is like every time I, I have listened to Death before, but I always forget they were as early as they were. Yeah. Yeah. 85, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is like 1990. I'm like, oh, no, this is like five years earlier. Yeah, man. They're, I don't know. They're, they're another band that came out and I feel like took a lot of influence from like the Aussie side of things, you know? And um, now here we are, you know, and, the 80s and Ozzy had already left Sabbath right Mm -hmm. and he started doing his own solo shit and he picked up um I'm Ozzy Osbourne watch me collect one of the greatest fucking collections of guitar players ever yeah give me Tony Iommi give me Randy Rhodes I'll take Zach Wilde yeah 
and I don't know, like a fucking child or dad, you know, he raised these children and then they went on to make their own fucking bands and they were fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Black Label Society, not so much. What? Come on, man. Have you ever seen somebody play a solo behind their head while sitting on the ground? It's insane. Insane. I'm just not a big Zach Wild fan. We've got David Busco outside right now giving us the business. I'm glad he took up smoking. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad he took up smoking. What an <laughs> asshole. Um, and then the other one, too. The the other, an, another band from, I shouldn't say the other one, but another band from the 80s that I think has had a lot of influence, but it's one of those bands you hear, okay, <clears throat> I don't know how to put this. I don't know how to put this properly. It's a band that if you're like, hey, who are your influences? They'll be like, this band, nobody really listens to them that much. But then you ask like a hundred bands, you're like, yeah, it was Faith No More. Yeah. There's a lot of bands that are like, yeah, we really are influenced by Faith No More. And then you go out there and you try and find people who listen to Faith No More. And it you can't. I do. I mean, yeah. I listen to Faith No More. I know um, a certain... Uh, I listen to Faith No More on... Uh... Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's on the radio. Yeah, there. I know a certain bunny that listens to Faith No More. Yeah, a certain bunny. But. Certain some bunny. Yeah. <laughs> he asked me if my wife vaped. I said, no, why? He goes, well, if she did, her favorite flavor would be Cinnabunny. I said, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain. It's one of those things. It's like, hey, every band was influenced by Faith No More, but not that many people actually listen to Faith No More. Just, uh. Just one of them things, dude. Because I remember that what really got me into Faith No More was I had to drive from um, Pennsylvania to Mississippi in two days. Like, I had to drive there and come. It was July 2nd, and they're like, you need to be down there by the 3rd. It was it was a work thing. They just put me in Toyota Sequoia, and we're like, go. Here you go. <clears throat> and I had Sirius XM, and Faith No More had just dropped uh, Soul Invictus, which was their last album. And they were playing a few songs from that, but then they also had, like, I was, like, I was switching between Liquid Metal and Octane, and I switched over to Octane, and it was, like, a Korn takeover, and uh, Korn was talking about how um, Faith No More was, like, instrumentally was so good, and that they used to put on the song Be Aggressive, which the bass kicks on that song so fucking hard. And he was like, that's what really influenced me to play the bass was like hearing that song, just hearing how he just fucking slapped that thing like crazy. And then I heard that song. I'm like, wow, that's so good. And then strangely, I come home, I go to the local record store and I find angel dust by faith. No more for three 99 in the buy one, get one free fucking tub. And I'm like, all right, I'm buying this. And I probably rocked that for two weeks. That's what's up. <clears throat> but yeah, they're 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 one of those ba- they're one of those '80s bands, one of those I shouldn't say '80s bands, but one of those bands started in the '80s, built their shit through the '90s, and just went forward. Yeah, and I could put them on that same bridge of you know hard rock to metal. It's yeah, a very good introduction. You could listen to them and then go on to find something different that was a little. Axl Rose is waiting on the bridge, and as you start walking across the bridge, you hear epic. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I I have to agree, man. That's sweet. They were um, influential to a lot of bands that started early '90s too, and took the genre a little bit different on their own. And uh, <laughs> oh, you missed it. There's a full moon outside. 
It's crazy. Uh, but anyways, um, is he gonna come on to our show now, or is he just? I don't know. Go? I think he's just smoking. Because I hope he goes. I hope he goes and fucks himself. That's what I hope happens. Yeah, so. he probably will. I mean, because that's the only choice he has. No on-air comments. From yeah. Me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, going from, you know, are we going to go into well, the I, early 90s here? You I, know, because I, I the late 80s was a, was a big thing for, like, the new genres of metal that kind of came out. So, after I mean, that thrash influence, you got Death who came out, who initially technically started the genre of death metal, you know? I mean, even technically, Meshuggah is an extreme metal band. Yeah, I don't even know what you'd want to call them back then. That's they were extreme. It was basically all these bands from like Norway and Sweden and shit. They were like, those are extreme metal. I'm like, why? Because they paint their fucking faces black and white and sing about the devil. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe that's why. That's pretty extreme for a lot of people. <laughs> that is pretty yeah. extreme. Why? Because they fucking eat a baby on stage? Big fucking deal. Ooh. Hey, could you turn your death metal down? Uh, it sounds like you're trying to sacrifice a goat in there. <laughs> yeah, well, you're missing the point. I've got it up so loud so you can't hear the goat screaming. <laughs> fucking idiot. But that's when did that come about? You know, the whole news thing going about, and now all of a sudden, you know, metal is satanic. And they're trying to get everybody out of I think it was you know? uh, some kid, like, killed himself, and, like, the parents blamed because he listened to Slayer. They're like, oh, yeah, if you listen to Slayer, like, they, there's subliminal messaging where they're telling you to kill yourself. I'm like, if somebody's... Do it for Satan. Do it for Satan. If somebody's paying for your music, why are you telling them to kill themselves? Because you ain't going to make no money anymore. Yeah. Fuck, Eminem said it best. You know, he's like, I just said it. I don't know if you do it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Slayer really didn't say it, but, you know. Uh, they... They had an attack on metal, and maybe it was kind of the mainstream vibe, like they were pulling away from all the pop and shit. Well, You've seen a lot of people it, it was listening like I, to that shit. It was now. like I said earlier. It was like kids were attracted to metal because they're like, my parents won't like this. That's the devil. And then parents, like, there was like the straight back where they're like, my kid shouldn't be listening to this. Oh, my look God. Look at that devil. Billy, no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at those guys. I, oh, my God. <laughs> the, but there was a big backlash, but then... In the '90s is whenever it really started to become accepted. And yeah, it was, I feel like that that whole "Hey, don't listen to metal because it's satanic" brought it back, like a like a bounce back to metal. More people wanted to make metal music because it was unattainable. And but that's but that's when bands changed their sound too. Like Metallica slowed down, Slayer slowed down. But then we talked. Let's get into Pantera. They brought it right back. Like their album's called Cowboys from Hell, but there's really nothing satanic about the album. No. They're just like, yeah. They, they were, <laughs> yeah. You ever seen the YouTube video of uh, Phil and Sommel teaching some kid how to uh, metal scream? Mm, yes. yes. <laughs> He's like smoking a cigarette. He's like, all right, you just want to get real with it. You know what I mean? You just get real. And it's like, wow, dude. <laughs> Come on, pussy. Just fucking yell. I but wish. I just... they, they came out. Sorry, what were you saying? No, go ahead. I was going to say they came out with a fucking force that was to be reckoned with. Once they had Phil and Sano, yeah. Yeah, they came out with a kicking power of assness. They were like, bam, yo, what's up, motherfuckers? You going to walk? Like, and walk is one of like, the, the biggest metal themes of all time. And it's so simple. And it's so stupid. I it's love just, walk, but there are so many, so many better Pantera songs. My favorite, personally, is Unbroken. It just... 
Uh, I don't know. Pantera I, took I, metal. I, I will play that sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I'm gonna walk into a room and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna play. I'm broken. So it's like, what's up, bitches? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, uh, Hoover for his wedding, uh, they did the whole bridal party, and then I didn't know this, but him and Amanda came out to Cowboys from Hell. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's sick. So, but. Unfortunately, they didn't do like the whole build up. They didn't do the the whole build up to it, so it was like they didn't do that part. And they came out, and I was like, "Wow, that was really good." Yeah, that's sweet. They they okay. Like if you want to classify them as a sound, I mean, they were definitely heavy metal. But Pantera took that same vibe from from Black Sabbath, in my personal opinion, and they took that that southern twang. That's what it was. Fucking threw it in the blender, dude. That is southern metal right there. Yes. That's uh, the, the a great lot. southern trend kill is my favorite Pantera song. Really? Yeah. I was actually talking to my buddy Adam Tar. It was his birthday. I told you I bought him uh, the Pantera box set. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said. Uh, a vulgar Display of Power is his favorite album, but he said uh, the great southern trend kill is a close second for the whole album. And I the was whole saying, album? Yeah. I would take the great southern trend kill over it. Really? Over yeah. Vulgar Display? Yeah, but, well, the, the thing is, is like, this. I just think the song "The Great Southern Trench Kill" was so good because it hits you like really hard, and then the end, they just like, all right, here's like a three minute solo, <laughs> and it just has that real southern sound to it. Yeah, such twang, dude. Such twang. They took blues. Have and you metal ever heard? And... The, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the song, but yeah. have you heard it recently? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Whatever yeah. I mean, like the ending solo, where he's like, all right, let's just. Hit that southern part. No, I'm gonna have to go back and redo. It. We we have some listening to do when we're done. Oh yeah, here. we do. I mean, this this is okay. What a what I pictured when we talked before. You know, okay. I want everybody to understand. I don't want to be biased when I say you know metal is my favorite. I love all music, but metal. These are bands that literally. There's such variation in it. They brought about genres of music that never existed before because they played a song you know what i mean some guy was listening to fucking the great southern trend kill and was like dude i want to start a southern metal band you know what i mean and now there's a whole fucking slew of them and it's insane i'm personally probably like pop more because that makes me feel more of the feels but i listen to metal more because i like the way it sounds you got you got fucking bands like monster truck um uh maylene and the sons of disaster like even going into bands like the sword, you know, uh, whether it's 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 we're not a different, to the sword yet. It's a different genre, but you can see all these slews are uh, slews of bands coming from Pantera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Signs of the Southern Cross. Even the way that band sounds singing is, I had to look it up because I thought it was Phil Ensemble singing. I was like, no way. Did he start a band I didn't know about? You know, he only has like what three bands right now? Two yeah. Bands? <laughs> Is Down still a thing? I think Down's still a thing, and then what's the other? Uh, Hell yeah. No, chicken foot? No, uh, Super Joint Ritual. Oh. I've heard that name. I don't think I've ever That's his other band. Anything. But, okay, 80 what? Fucking nine? For nine, what? Or well, 90, what'd you say? 93 was when they first came out. No, Cowboys from Hell came out in 90. 91? It was either 90 or 91. I'm not 100% sure right now. But so it was we've, we've moved on a whole decade, two whole decades from <laughs> when we first started talking about metal, you know? So we're 20 years into this molding right now, and you can see where 
it's going but it's nuts the other the other like the other big band i think that came out around the same time was sepultura 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 whatever they're brazilian i don't know yeah sepultura they were um i got to see them play at ohio metal fest in 2015 that's pretty sick i was like they were they were like a rootsy kind of tribal metal band Roots didn't come out until 96. I'm not even saying that, like, as of the song. I'm just saying, no, the, like, Rootsy the al- as in, like... Oh, yeah, no. The, the, the album, origin, you can tell where they fucking came from. Yeah, the album came out... Roots Roots is, like, one of those big albums, too, that people are like, well, that's a great fucking metal album. And the first time I heard that, I was like, okay, I listened to it, and the last, like, 20 minutes are just, like, jungle noises. Yeah. But it's fucking awesome. Uh, Chaos AD came out in ninety, was ninety one or ninety three. It was sometime. It was sometime between ninety and ninety three. Chaos AD came out, and that was just one that chance too because that title, the the first track, Refuse Resist. It's just like it hits you in the face, and that's where the and that's what I think separated like the the eighties um, metal from the nineties metal. The 80s metal kind of like had this slow, I wouldn't say it was slow build, but like it was just like, okay, right here, like this is what you're getting the whole song. Whereas the 90s metal just punched you in the face. They just came right out with it. It was like, this is it. Yeah. Eat it. Here you go, boys. And Sepultura coming from southern Brazil, like it's sweet to see a band like that who has such a, a name on the map that came from some fucking area that you have not seen metal come from yet you know what i mean i i really think if it wouldn't have been for them you would never have like el nino yeah they're 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 not bands that people are gonna go search out you know but you couldn't go see sepultura like rise you know what i mean yeah you're fucking growing up in america like hey mom can i catch a plane down to southern brazil to yeah. go see this, i need to go to, this see, metal I need band to, go to sao paulo right now yeah for what like you you know and that's sweet that 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 rise came about, and somebody who was down there traveling sound heard them and was like, "Yo, this is it. Let's let's check it out." There, that's it's it's too cool. Yeah. Other bands that I can think of, early '90s wise, you got um, Cradle of Filth. Yeah, they came out in '91, and this was they took that glam metal kind of shit <laughs> from. Like Kiss, and um, I don't know. They 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 painted their faces, and they came out, and they were heavy as fuck. They all wore leather and spikes, and their faces faces were painted white and with like black stripes down the sides of them and shit. And they were heavy as hell. And Danny Filth came out with these lyrics, and the sound of his lyrics when he enunciated them, and it was something unheard of. It brought back that satanic vibe if you will because the lows that this guy could hit sounded like the devil himself talking when you're listening to this for the first time you know what i mean say you've never heard this before and he's like like you're like what the fuck was that and then he goes immediately into this high-pitched fucking scream and this guy's like five four you know what i mean and it's it's insane to see somebody like that play something like that i'm just you know mind blown and I don't know, media picked up on them. You know, they played, like, uh, Nymphetamine that came out in, I forget what movie it was. Uh, they have so many, so many songs. Like, 
whether some of them just be about drinking. Like uh, Danny was a big Absinthe fan, and he has like a song called Absinthe with Faust. Mansith. Mansith? They may- Marilyn Manson has an uh, Absinthe. Mansith? It's- oh, I didn't know that. Ask-, ask TD about it. I will. <laughs> but that was something. Literally text him when this podcast is done. Like, what do you know about this man, Seth? Yeah, I should. But that's something, like, you'd never heard of before, you know? It was it was the start of something again. And I don't know. I remember being, I, I didn't realize that they came out so early, you know? And I think I was 14 or 15 when I first heard them. And I was like, dude, <laughs> holy it's, shit. It's really a rival between, like, um, Cradle of Filth and, like, uh, Opeth, like, I was going to mention them was, next. Yes. They were like the two that did it first, though. They're the fucking... Uh, Opeth wrote stories with guitars, man. And they were the first... What Would you would you consider them melodic metal? You know, melodic heavy metal? They Their shit was off the wall, man. Like It's really hard to say, like, yeah, they did it first. Because there's a lot of bands I'm like, they may have did it first, but this band did it better. Like, with metalcore, I think that, like, Killswitch Engage... They're the earliest band that I think that did it good, but I, they're not. They weren't the first band to do it, but they were the first band to do it good. Yeah, if you guys have not listened to Opeth, please go give them a shout out. Not a shout out, excuse me. A listen, <laughs> shout out to Opeth. Uh, but they have so many songs that really just inspired generations. Uh, there are bands that. Uh, there's there's actually a meme. Um, it's not not even a meme. It's like a comic. It's uh, Master Splinter walking with the four um, Ninja Turtles when they're babies. Yeah, one's and, Gojira and one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it says Opeth over top of Master Splinter, and then you know they get older, and now they're carrying Master Splinter about, and it's like Gojira, fucking all these three other metal bands, and they're helping Opeth along because it's like, dude. Thanks for helping raise me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bands like that really, really hit the fucking market, man. They hit the point for some people. Somebody listened to that and was like, dude, I'm going to dedicate my life to this shit. That's, I don't know, man. I'm like grinning ear to ear. Like, that's the kind of shit. That's why I love music, man. It's It hits home for some people, and you can't change it. It's a feeling of awesomeness that just, like, comes from inside, and you need to get it out. You I know? mean... Now that, now that we're just going to talk about it, um, completely away from, from Metal Month right now, because we're getting to the point where we're about to talk about New Metal and the rise of Korn, Marilyn Manson, Linkin Park, Slipknot, getting into the early 2000s. You have bands like Kill Switch Engage, uh, Machine Head starts to make a comeback from the... Well, we didn't talk about them early, but we'll get to them, um, <clears throat> so on and so forth. But that's, that's why I think music is the best because for every emotion you can find a song and for every band you can find at least one song you like no matter what there's some type of music you like people who are like i don't listen to music i'm like yes you fucking do you just don't know it yet yeah you're full of shit you listen to music every day whether it's birds fucking chirping outside or just like the slow steady click of you know the the clock just it's a metronome man that's some sort of beat there's always music going on everywhere the world moves because of it, <laughs> you know? Right. It's the vibration that keeps everything going. I don't know. 
And music is the one thing too that it's it's made me cry and it's given me goosebumps and it's made me feel scared. It's just it's made me want to fight. Like, yeah, all it, kinds ju- of it shit, gives man. you every emotion you can possibly imagine. It's made me smile. Yeah, it made me laugh. Yeah, made me dance. Made me jump up and down. Like, I don't know, man. What hasn't music made you do is is a better question. Yeah, and if you want to go ahead, and somebody's gonna shout out. Oh, well, I bet music never made you had sex motherfucker you ain't never listened to barry white <laughs> okay because <laughs> there is love making music too don't matter what it is <laughs> and then uh you know keeping on with the metal thing and the sex thing we'll get into it but out came fucking nine inch nails in the whole industrial metal scene i don't and that's uh, some kinky see, sex mm. music i don't credit nine inch nails as much as i i think it was fear factory fear factory yeah I think it was more Fear Factory because Nine Inch Now is kind of... They're on the list. They're on the bridge with fucking Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah. Trent Reznor's over there. was like, buy my grandfather's air conditioners. <laughs> <laughs> come to Mercer, PA. Yeah, do you <laughs> It'll like... It'll be a good time. Axl Rose is like, come to the metal. And, and Trent Reznor's like, my grandfather makes great air conditioners. Have you guys seen this? Let me play this entire band for you by myself. Here you go. I, think I wonder was, if he talks like that. I actually that. think it was John's John's dad, Big John, was saying that like Trent Reznor just used to, because he had all the, his grandparents all that money from the the air conditioners that he's just like go to his friend's house and bring it. He's like, yeah, I have this four thousand dollar keyboard. Let's fuck with it for the night. And they would like play it, and he's like, all right, I'm going home and just leave it there. Wow, I didn't know that. That was like, but uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to confirm those stories, but that was like back in. The 80s before Head Like a Hole and shit came out. Which I've seen the music video, and it is as 90s as you think it would be. Yeah. They were very 90s. 90s is a whole nother genre, too, now. You know, it's lumped into itself. No, because 90s metal really had a split, because then you had, like, you had the traditional bands doing, like, one thing with Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, so on. Then you had the hardcore scene, then you had... The industrial scene, you had the new metal scene. It was whenever everything started to splinter. It's when like we want to be hardcore too. We like we want to be metal too, but we want to do it this way. Yeah, we want to do it our own way. Maybe it's a stupid metaphor, but uh, like I wrote some lyrics and it kind of reminds me. I literally think next episode we're probably if we start in '95, we're probably only get get to get to like 2007. Then we're gonna have to stop again. Yeah, because we're gonna be at like two hours, man. (laughs) But metal itself, uh, you know, picture like a mirror, and then like the '90s happened. And I'm gonna somebody, have to take notes for the next one because somebody we... fucking slammed their fist into it and shattered it, and that's where each genre all branched off and made their own shit. But if you put all them back together in the same piece, it's like a puzzle, man. It's all one big picture. And all you see is Ozzy just biting the head off of a bat. Yeah, <laughs> while yelling for his wife. <laughs> Sharon. <laughs> Sharon. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> and now you got Ozzy doing shit with Post Malone. Uh, the world is. Oh awesome. my god, Post Malone's gonna make him so famous. I know that you know Ozzy Osbourne should probably hit him up, tell him thank you. All right, guys, I think we're gonna go ahead and call it a night. We've been talking for a good minute, man, but dude, this is a good conversation. I love metal. <laughs> this is uh, this is the start of something big, you know. Uh, this time frame that we're talking right now, this is where you've seen all these big bands start popping out, man, and really 
you got to think about what they did before they got heard. You know what I mean? These guys were playing shows for like like four people in some fire hall or something. They were playing you know? like Susie's Dog and Drafts and yeah. having fucking the safest ledge open up for them and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And then one day somebody heard them and they put them somewhere and they got big. And now look at them, you know? It's, I, I, it's kind of like what they did with the Seattle scene, though, where they're like, wow, you're Metallica? We're going to put you on. Oh, wow, you guys got fucking huge. Hey, Megadeth, you're kind of like Metallica? Come here. Yeah. Because in Seattle, they were like, hey, Nirvana's huge. Hey, Pearl Jam, you're kind of like Nirvana? Come over. Come on, baby. We're going to make y'all famous. But uh, we got to say thank you guys for tuning in. Um, really appreciate you. Whether you're listening uh, faithfully or you only pick out the certain episodes that you like, still makes us happy to have listeners. So, Shout out to you, Jonathan Kent. <laughs> Thanks, John Emery, for not being on the episode tonight. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, guys, please give us a like on Facebook. I kind of like YouTube. having a three-person booth, too. Yeah, the third person really makes it exciting. But, you know, we get famous. That's another person we got to split money with, and we don't want that. Yeah. Right? Mikael just come here for free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man. Uh, no money. No money. <laughs> I'd, I'd do this for the likes, you know? I, I, swear, I swear to God I've said this a hundred times, but I will literally order T-shirts tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we should. I, I will literally order t-shirts as soon as this goes off the air. All right. Vicky, you got a big order coming. I hope you're ready. But guys, uh, that's it for installment number two of Metal Month. Coming up uh, next, we got the uh, industrial. Mid-90s to mid-2000s, and then we're going to have to take off. Oh, God, it's going to be so hard. Industrial, new metal, start a metalcore uh a whole post bunch of hardcore. Shit. Post hardcore. Hardcore. There's a whole bunch of shit coming this way, man. Is it's, what the fuck is Alexis on fire? They're post hardcore. Well, they were when they came out. Not now. Yeah. I don't know what they are now. Piano rock. <laughs> Alright guys, uh any pardon words? Respect walk. What do you say? It's it's breathe spit walk. I don't know. I'm retarded, so it doesn't. Yeah, it's matter. all right. It's okay. I didn't mean to shut you down like that on air. It's but. okay. All right, guys. Uh, hail Satan. Yeah, hail Satan. <laughs>